Uh, the reading is Numbers 12, and that's on page 148 of the Pew Bibles. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, Come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned towards her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease, and he said to Moses, Please, my lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half-eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Please, God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spat in her face, Would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on till she was brought back. After that, the people left Hazroth and camped in the desert of Paran. Good morning, everyone. You pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to be here to worship you, and thank you for the body of Christ as we come together. I pray that everything that I say would be pleasing to you, and that everyone here would hear what you want them to hear this morning. Thank you for this opportunity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, my family and I have been living here in the UK for about three years now, and we've been part of this church family for that time. Uh, Before we moved here, um, we... We, we moved from the United States, and one of the things that we had to do that summer before we moved was we took a very long road trip. Can we get that first slide there? So um, I just want to explain how big America is, okay? If, so if you were, if you were to, if you, we, had to, we, had to um, we had to drive the width of the country. Now, if you were to drive the width of the country here, uh, let's say you were going to Liverpool, probably take you about five, six hours, right? Um, America is ten times the width of England, and so we actually had to, we actually had to be in different places. We had to be in Chicago we, um, for different purposes, uh, in New Jersey, uh, in Florida, in Texas, and then back in California. And so we actually took a series of long road trips to do all those things. And, um, and I don't know about you, 
But when we, when we want to take a trip like this, we, we definitely want to sightsee. Next slide. So we definitely want to sightsee, and we want to, see, we want to see different things. So we saw all sorts of things, and we saw how quirky America can be. Um, and if you're like us, when you take a holiday, you take lots of photos. And so we actually, um, we actually uh, took lots and lots of photos, and we actually made different photo books. Here's one of the photo books that we took, and here are some photos from, next slide, so here are some photos from it. One of the things that we did during our road trip was we took historic Route 66. Now, um, if you're familiar with this, this, this used to be America's highway, and this is how people would get to the West Coast. Um, and if you've seen the movie Cars, a lot of the things on Route 66 actually inspired the, uh, the, the things in the movie. And so we actually made this photo book and we have a lot of, we, we, we have a lot of memories from historic Route 66. And we've been going through this series in Numbers. Um, and just like our long road trip, um, Numbers is a very long road trip. And just like this photo book, Numbers is, it reminds us of a photo, of, of it reminds us of a road trip. And this is the road trip that the Israelites, the people of God, took. But it's much more than this photo book. What it does is it teaches us about how the people became a people as they learned how to follow God and be governed by Him. And so uh, let, let's situate ourselves within, within Numbers as we get there. So, uh, so let's look at the, the outline of Numbers. At the beginning of Numbers, um, the people are, are at the foot of Mount Sinai. And the, peop- the person who's leading the Israelites, the person who's le- who's, who's, who, uh, who was there when God parted the Red Sea, um, he, uh, his name is Moses, and he went up the mountain to, to receive the law from God. And so um, this is where they are. They're, they're seated. The, the people are waiting for Moses at the foot of the mountain. And they actually, they actually stay at the foot of Mount Sinai for about a year. Um, and so during that time, during the time in, in the beginning of Numbers, what we see is that um, they learn how to arrange the camp because they're going to be taking this long road trip. And it's, it's, a, it's not just a road trip, it's a camping trip. And so they actually have to set up the camp every time they, sit, they settle down. And so um, one of the, the key thing that we need to know about setting up the camp is that the, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, needs to be in the center. Uh, it needs to be in the center of the camp. And that's where they said that God, uh, that God would meet with people um, and that's where, that's where you would go to approach God. And so, um, and, and so the, the, uh, the people who are supposed to work in the innermost of the, of the tabernacle uh, were Aaron, who was the, the brother of Moses, he was the high priest, and his sons, uh, they, were, they were the priests who were there. Aaron's line would, be, would become the, the priestly line. Um, but also there were other people who needed to work the tabernacle, and those are the Levites. Aaron came from the, from the, from the uh, tribe of Levi, and so the Levites uh, were other people within that tribe, and they were, they were to work the tabernacle. And so uh, Aaron and the, Le- and the Levites would be, um, would be camping around the tabernacle, and then the other tribes would be camping around them. And then around them would be the, would be the outside of the camp. And so you, we have these, you, you can imagine these concentric circles. So every time the, the people of God, uh, every time the people of God settled down, they had to set up the camp this way. Uh, the next section in Numbers talks about laws about the camp. It's, it's about how to live uh, together while they were in the wilderness. And so it talks about how there would be different situations, that this is how to govern yourselves. Okay? And then we get to chapter 10 of Numbers, and that, uh, that's, when they, that's when the people finally uh, pick up and leave. Do we have that slide of the people following the cloud? 
Can you put that up? Um, and so what happened was um, God manifested himself in a cloud. And, and when, when they set up the camp, the cloud was settled onto the tabernacle. Um, and that was God's representation of himself. Um, when the cloud lifted and started moving, that's when the people would start following God. So we have this image of God um, who, who shows himself through a cloud. Here, let's go back to that slide about the, the outline. And so the people pick up because they're following the cloud. This is chapter 10. And then last week we, ta- we talked about chapter 11. In chapter 11, we have this interesting episode where the people are complaining. Uh, the, the, there's some people who are complaining to Moses about, um, about, the, uh, about their lack of food. They're hungry. Even though, even though they, they have food, uh, they, just, they just say, you know what, we, I wish we were back in Egypt. I wish we were still in slavery. Um, and so God, God decides to give them food in the form of little birds, quail. They get so much food that there, it's, it's, this, it's, it's really deep, and the, the, there's this imagery of, of, it, of the, the meat coming out of their nostrils. And so there's so much there. But the other thing that happens is more important to today's uh, passage. Okay? And so what happens is that Moses also complains to God, and he says, I don't know how to lead these people. I don't have the right people skills. I, they, these people are difficult. I don't know what I'm doing, God. And God provides leaders for Moses. And so what happens in chapter 11 is that God, God raises up 70 men. They're elders of the people. And God pla- it says God places his his spirit on them, and they begin to prophesy. Prophesy means that they receive a word from God, and they start telling people about that. And they're together doing this. Now, there were two men who were not with the, seven, who were not with the rest of the 70. Their names were Eldad and Medad. And they were, um, and they were going around, they were prophesying, this is, this is what God has told me, and they were going around telling people this. And Joshua, we'll learn more about Joshua as we keep reading through Numbers. Um, Joshua, who is the assistant to Moses, tells Moses, Hey, you have these two men who are going around without your authorization uh, prophesying and telling people what God has told them. You need to stop them. And Moses does not. Moses says, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not going to defend myself. This is not, this is not some, a battle that I'm going to fight. And so that brings us to chapter 12. So turn with me to Numbers chapter 12. Um, Numbers is the fourth book of the, the Old Testament. It's Genesis, Exodus, Exodus Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers chapter 12. And what we're going to see is that Moses uh, is challenged. Moses, his, his authority is challenged by, his, by two of his siblings. Uh, his siblings are Aaron and Miriam, and they're his older brother and sister. Okay, verse 1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. And so the first thing we see is that they have, they, they're, they're complaining against Moses. There's more complaining, by the way. We see, we see complaining throughout, throughout Numbers. And we've seen it in chapter 11 where people were complaining about, the, about food and Moses is complaining to God. And here we see Moses, uh, we see Aaron and Miriam complaining against Moses here. And so, um, and so here they are, they're complaining against Moses because of his Cushite wife. And th- there's, there's, uh, there's some dynamics here with racism and things like that. But what we see that, what we see through in this passage is that this is actually not the main reason they're challenging Moses. The reason why we know that it's not the main reason is because it doesn't get mentioned again. 
in this passage. So this was their excuse. This was their reason to bring to Moses their, the, the, uh, the, uh, the complaint against him. But the real reason is that they were challenging his authority. Because we're going to see that. Uh, verse 2. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he, hasn't he also spoken through us? Now, in order for us to understand this, we need to understand who Aaron and Miriam are. They are, they are yes, they are his brother and sister. But there's something special about them. Um, uh, Miriam is a prophetess. She, God has spoken to her before, and she has spoken to the people what God has spoken to her. So when she, when she says uh, God has spoken to us, uh, that's true. All right? and, the, and Aaron, remember I said Aaron is the high priest. Aaron is the one who is he's working at the tabernacle. He's helping the people with their sacrifices. And he's the one who's supposed to be praying on behalf of the people. And so, uh, so here we are. These are not just two ordinary people. This, these are two people that, that, that the, that the uh, nation would, seem, would, would consider prominent in their, in their midst. And so when Miriam... And Aaron say, hasn't God spoken to us? They're right. Hasn't God spoken to us too? And this is right after, this is right after God has spoken to other people. Because they've seen God spoken to, to other people. There were 70 men in the previous chapter that God spoke to and they start prophesying too. And so right after the, right after God releases some of the burden off of Moses, there's a challenge to Moses' authority because because, Moses, because Aaron and Miriam are saying, wait, what makes Moses unique? Because God has spoken to us too. God has spoken to other people too. Look at these 70 men. Look at Eldad and Medad. God has spoken to them. So what makes Moses so unique? Why are we following him? You see what's going on here? So they're, they're challenging Moses' authority. And one of the things I want you to understand here is that the language tells us that, that it's Miriam who's actually leading this charge. Okay, it, it would be it would be a better way to it would be better to say Miriam spoke against Moses. Oh, and Aaron too. Also, he was he was there. And so what we see is that Miriam is the one who's leading this. Um, and we we kind of see this we we see this quick line that we shouldn't ignore. And it says this: "The Lord heard this." This is at the end of verse two. The Lord heard this. So now we're going to see the God respond, aren't we? Right. First now now verse three. Now, verse 3 is a line that in, in many of your Bibles it's going to, have, it's going to be in parentheses. Um, and, and it says this. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Um, now, I want to explain something. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. He wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, with that information, some of you are already asking, why would Moses write this verse, verse 3? Why would Moses say, I am the most humble man on the face of the earth? It doesn't seem very humble to say, I am more humble than anyone else. Well, let me explain something about this word here. Now, many times when we, when we see the word humble in English, we think that, oh, it's about modesty. Somebody who thinks, somebody who thinks, who doesn't think highly of themselves. The word here actually has more of a nuance where it, it, we, we kind of get that idea, but we also get the idea of somebody who's afflicted or somebody who's miserable. And we see this, in the, we see this especially in the Psalms. This, this word comes up a lot in the Psalms where it says that God is on the side of those who are humble, somebody who's afflicted, somebody who is miserable. And it talks about how such people are very dependent on God and that's why he's on their side. And so I believe what, what, 
what Moses is saying here in verse 3, when he says he's the most humble man, he's saying nobody depended on God as much as I did. Um, and, and what we saw even in the previous chapter was when there was a challenge to his authority and Joshua comes to him, he, he, he doesn't defend himself. And here, Moses doesn't defend himself either because he is dependent on God. It's really important that to say, hey, he, I, I'm not going to defend myself because, I, because, of, um, because he knew that God would, God would defend him if, he needed, if it was needed. Okay? So, and, and here... The Lord intervenes. Verse 4. At once the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and, and, and Aaron and Miriam, Come to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. Remember that cloud we were talking about, right? He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. Now, I have three kids. And whenever they're quarreling, I, sometimes I have to say, You, you, and you, you have to come here right now because we're going to figure this out. Okay? And so this is exactly what God is doing. You, you, and you, you come here. We're going we're gonna to talk this out. We're going to figure this out right now. Okay? And so, and, and, and my girls know that if I'm saying that, they're in trouble. Okay? So here, Aaron and Miriam have figured out that they're in trouble. Okay? So, um, verse 5. The Lord came down a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance and summoned Aaron and Miriam. And the two of them stepped forward and God speaks. Verse 6. He said, listen to my words. You listen to me right now. Uh, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. And so what he's saying is that whenever there's a prophet, whenever I speak to somebody, um, I speak to them in visions. I speak to them this way. I speak to them in a way that they're going to have to interpret. Now, so what he's saying to Miriam and Aaron is that, hey, you're right. I've spoken to you just like that. And just like Eldad, Maydad, and the, and the 70 elders. I've spoken to people that way. You are absolutely correct. Uh, Moses is not the only one I've spoken to. And if, if Moses was the only, if, if Moses was, was someone just like you who I've spoken to just like that, then you would have a point. But Moses is special. I'm going to see this in the next verse. Okay, so ver- come with me to verse 7. But that is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. And so what, he say, what God is saying about Moses is that, yes, there are people who I speak to. I speak to them in riddles. I speak to them in, in, in visions. But with Moses, it's not like that at all. With Moses, I speak with him Face to face. The, the language literally says mouth to mouth. From my mouth, he receives the word. And so whenever, when you have the words of Moses, you have the words of God. Don't mess with Moses because Moses speaks the actual words of God. He doesn't have to interpret through dreams and visions and things like that. I ha- he has a direct line to me. Moses has a special relationship with God. Don't mess with Moses, because when you mess with Moses, you mess with God. And that's why God says in the next line, why, were you not, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So what God is saying was that Moses has a special relationship with me. Nobody else has this relationship with me. Only Moses. So you listen to him, and you make sure you do what he says, because those are my words. Verse 9, the anger of the Lord burned against them, 
and he left them. When the cloud lifted, remember the cloud, the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became white as snow. Uh, now, leprosy was a, was a skin disease, and uh, sometimes it would manifest itself in, in looking white. Um, here's the second half of verse 10. Aaron turned towards her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. Now, I want to pause here. Now, remember we talked about how um, there would be laws about the camp. Earlier in Numbers, there's laws about the camp. And one of, one of the situations that it was talking about is when somebody has a defiling skin disease. If someone had a skin disease, they had to go to the tabernacle and get inspected by the priest. And the priest says, okay, this person has a defiling skin disease. They had to leave the camp. They had to go outside the camp. Remember, we talked about the concentric circles. And this was an object lesson saying, hey, only, uh, that God demands purity. We're talking about God's holiness here. And so when, when someone had a skin disease, they had to leave the camp. Now, this doesn't have to do with sin, but it tells us that God demands purity. Okay? And so, remember, it's the priest who has to diagnose someone. And here is the priest. It's Aaron. And he is in this awkward situation of turning to his sister and looking and saying, Oh, oh no, she has to leave the camp. I have to do my job and say hey, she has to leave the camp. You see what's going on here? So, so Aaron suddenly realizes the, how, how, uh, how serious this sin was. And so he turns to Moses, verse 11. And he says to Moses, Please, my Lord, I want you to notice this. He says, my Lord, to Moses. Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin that we have foolishly committed. Now before we move on, I want to make sure that you understand something. I don't, I, I, I've said it before, Aaron is the high priest. His job is to pray for people to God on behalf of them. And yet here, what Aaron is doing is he's realizing, he's just realized what God is saying about Moses. And he's saying, Moses, you have a special relationship with God. I need to ask you for your help. Do you see what's going on here? The high priest, don't miss this, the high priest is saying to somebody else, I need you to speak to God for me. Okay? This is serious, and, and, and Aaron realizes that he's not only messed with Aaron, and messed with Moses, he's messed with God. And so he's speaking to Moses and saying, please, and he calls him my Lord, please, don't hold this sin against us. Verse 12, do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half-eaten away. Now, this is a graphic depiction of what Miriam looked like um, when, when, a, when, a, when, a, when an unborn child dies in its mother's womb, um, that, that, that skin will start to decompose, and uh, a stillborn infant will come out looking like that, okay? And so, um, this is no joke. And Aaron here is pleading on behalf of their sister. Aaron, whose job is, he's, he's the one who's supposed to pray for the people, and yet he is saying, I, I, I realize that my, my error here. Moses, what, what can you do for us? Verse 13. So Moses cried out to the Lord, God, please heal her. Moses is the one who intercedes for Miriam, not Aaron. And, Moses, and God answers 
Because, again, Moses has a special relationship with God, right? God answers, verse 14, The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spat in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Come, uh, confine her outside the camp for seven days, and after that, after that she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back. After that, the people left Hazaroth and camped in the desert of Paran. Now, um, one of the things that we realize here is that, is that Miriam is healed. Okay? Because the law said that if you had a defiling skin disease, you had to leave the camp. And so the fact that he says that she can come back in seven days, that means she's healed. Now, the, the whole thing with the spitting in the face, it was, it was a custom that happened, um, that if there was a family dispute, uh, the father would spit in the face of, of a son or daughter who was being dishonorable. And they would be ostracized, and they would be ostracized for seven days. They would, they would have to leave the camp for seven days and come back. And so this is all of this is happening here, and to realize that this was a serious accusation that had no grounding. Um, and so Aaron and Miriam have learned their lesson. They have held up the camp. Finally, they can move on after seven days. Now, why is this account in numbers, it doesn't fit with the census, and it doesn't fit with the, uh, it doesn't fit with the, the camping and all those things. What is going on here? Now remember that uh, that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, and it wasn't, and this was not written for the people who were in the wilderness at the time. It's written for the people who would read this later, and the people who, and this is, and the first five books of the Bible is not just the law; it's also their history, and it goes all the way back to. The beginning of creation. And so you could imagine, you can imagine as the people are becoming a people, and they're, they're learning how to follow God, there would be people who, there would be other people who would come and say, well, hey, God's spoken through me. You should follow me. Don't follow Moses. You should follow me. And so what this does in this, in this account is to tell the people, no, you follow Moses. Because Moses has a special relationship with God. And the words of Moses are the words of of God, not like any other prophet that you would come across, not like Miriam, not like Aaron, not like Eldad and Medad, not like the 70. This is a special relationship. God speaks to Moses face to face, so you follow him. The words of Moses are authoritative, are the highest authority, and so the people can look back on Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy and say, those are our authority. They, we fo- they follow that. They follow the laws, and they, and, they, and they follow God. So if there would be any, there'd be any challenge again later on to Moses, to the authority of, these, of, their, of their scripture, and they say, no, Moses, Moses has a special relationship. There's no one else like this. There, there's no one else unique. And we actually see, um, throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we see everything points back to the law, to the first five books. It says, hey, it's, it's in... Um, in in Psalms and Proverbs, are you following the law? In the prophets later on, are you follow? You are not following the law. You're not following. Are you remembering? Are you remembering the God who led you out of slavery, who parted the Red Sea? Have you forgotten all of that? You are abandoning God and you're abandoning the law. And so all of this points to how authoritative Genesis through Deuteronomy are. Now, some of you are asking, Daniel, I, that, this is great. But what does this mean? I mean, that's, that's great for the people of God and, and, the, uh, and the Israelites, but what does this mean for 21st century 
Christians? What does this mean for us living in Cambridge today? And some of you, some of you, some of us might be tempted to, to think, oh, the moral of the story is that we really shouldn't challenge our spiritual leaders. We shouldn't challenge Steve Midgley. We shouldn't challenge uh, Rachel Browning. We shouldn't challenge David Todd. That's, our, that's the moral of the story, right? Um, but no, that's not what the Bible's saying here because we don't have anyone in Christ Church who has a relationship with God the way Moses does. So that's not really the lesson we're supposed to take from this. Some of, you, some of, us, might be, uh, some of us might be tempted to think, oh, we should be like Moses and we, not, we shouldn't defend ourselves. But we're not Moses. That's not the lesson we're supposed to learn from this. So let's, let's, let's zoom back and think about, again, what the purpose of this in, in for the people of God was. And then we'll, 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 uh, we'll look a little bit more about what it means for us. So, again, people of God are learning how to be a people. They realize that this is author- authoritative for them. And if it, these are the words of God. And if it was authoritative for the Israelites, it's authoritative for us as well. And so, what does that mean? Well, if Moses wrote down, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then that's our highest authority. And we say, God created all of this. Um, and we have all these voices that tell us, no, no, that's, 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 uh, that is rubbish. But we say, no, this is, this is what our highest authority says. When we, when, we see, when we read about a flood, when we read about Abraham and all, and all of these things, we, we, get, we, start to, we start to say, okay, this is what it means to submit to the scriptures. And we can talk about what it means to submit to the Jewish law as Christians today, that, and, and that's not really, a, uh, it's not really a conversation for today. But I, one of the things that we want, we must realize, is that these are the very words of God. And Moses, Moses inserts this to make sure that we understand this, because these are the words of God. Now, that's not all. When we get to the New Testament, we learn about somebody who's an even greater Moses, who's even greater than Moses. And we learn about how there's nobody who had a relationship with God the way Moses did. Who could possibly be greater than Moses? We see in the New Testament that Jesus Christ is greater than even Moses. Moses spoke to God face to face. But we have someone who comes. He is God. He's fully God, fully man. Lived a life without sin, followed the law completely on our behalf, and died on the cross for our sin, rose again on the third day and sent people to teach us what it means to follow him. And so when we see in the, we see in the New Testament, we, see, we have the very words of God. We have the very words of someone who is greater than Moses. So when we see in the Gospels and we see in the epistles, we see, we see the words of God and we see the words of the apostles, the one who are sent by him. And we need to say, these are our highest authority. This is what we submit to. So when Jesus says things like, when Jesus says things like, um, if you come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Is that the message that we get? That we need to deny ourselves? When Jesus teaches, are you loving your enemies? Are we submitting to that? 
when Jesus teaches the Great Commission, we make disciples of all nations. Are we obeying that? And then we have the words of the, the apostles that he sent. The words of Paul and Peter and James, people who were sent by Jesus. Are we following him? We have the words of, some, of, the, of someone who's greater than Moses. And the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is greater than Moses. He's greater than Aaron because he's our great high priest. And we notice that in, in Numbers 12, Moses was the one who was interceding on behalf of his sister. But what we see in, in, in the book of Hebrews is that Jesus, after, after, uh, after his resurrection and his ascension, seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is constantly interceding for those who follow him. And so we have an even better Moses, an even better high priest, and that's who we follow. Will you follow Jesus with me? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for these words and numbers, and it, for, it, it doesn't seem to fit into the narrative, but we see that uh, it tells us about the authority of your word. And this is, it's hard. It's hard to follow you. And it's hard to follow these words here. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage and the ability to follow you, to submit to you as our highest authority, to submit to the words that you've given us. And whatever that means for someone, and, and, I, I, and I believe that each of us come, comes in this morning maybe struggling to follow something that you've taught us. And so, Lord, I pray, I, I just pray that you would, um, I, pray, I pray for your forgiveness, and I pray that you give us the strength to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.